0: European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 43, Issue 16. Focus Issue, Ischemic Heart Disease, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. Inflammation, Targeted Proteomics and Microvascular Dysfunction, The New Frontiers of Ischemic Heart Disease. This focus issue on ischemic heart disease contains the -the state-of-the-art review article Immune Cells in Cardiac Homeostasis and Disease Emerging Insights from Novel Technologies by Sabine Steffens and colleagues from the Ludwig Maximilian Universität in Munich, Germany. The immune system plays an important role in the heart, not only under physiological conditions such as development and homeostatic function, but also in cardiac disease. The authors point out that the increasing use of single-cell immune profiling and advanced microscopic imaging technologies has deepened our understanding of the cardiac immune system, confirming that the heart contains a broad repertoire of innate and adaptive immune cells. Leukocytes found in the healthy heart participate in essential functions to preserve cardiac homeostasis, not only by defending against pathogens, but also by maintaining normal organ function. In pathophysiological conditions, cardiac inflammation is implicated in healing responses after ischemic or non-ischemic cardiac injury. The aim of this review is to provide a concise overview of novel methodological advancements to the non-expert readership and summarize novel findings on immune cell heterogeneity and functions in cardiac disease, with a focus on myocardial infarction as a prototypic example. In addition, the authors briefly discuss how biological sex modulates the cardiac immune response. Finally, the authors highlight emerging concepts for novel therapeutic applications, such as targeting immunometabolism and nanomedicine. In a second state-of-the-art review article entitled, Management of Acute Coronary Syndromes in Older Adults, Nuccia Morici and colleagues from the Università degli Studi in Milano, Italy, note that older adults are underrepresented in prospective studies and randomized clinical trials of acute coronary syndromes, or ACS. Over the last decade, a few specific trials have been conducted in this population, allowing more evidence-based management. Older adults are a heterogeneous, complex, and high-risk group whose management requires a multidimensional clinical approach beyond coronary anatomic variables. This review focuses on available data informing evidence-based interventional and pharmacological approaches for older adults with ACS, including guideline-directed management. Overall, an invasive approach appears to demonstrate a better benefit-risk ratio compared with a conservative approach across the ACS spectrum, even considering patients' clinical complexity and multiple comorbidities. Conversely, more powerful strategies of antithrombotic therapy for secondary prevention have been associated with increased bleeding events and no benefits in terms of mortality reduction. An interdisciplinary evaluation with geriatric assessment should always be considered to achieve a holistic approach and optimize any treatment based on the underlying biological vulnerability. Patients with heart failure, or HF, have not been shown to benefit from statins, although they might reduce the risk of cancer. In a clinical research article entitled, Alirocumab after acute coronary syndrome in patients with a history of heart failure, Harvey White and colleagues from Auckland City Hospital in New Zealand evaluated, in a post-hoc analysis, outcomes in Odyssey outcomes of patients with versus without a history of HF, randomized to the proprotein convertase subtilisin stroke kexin type 9 or PCSK9 inhibitor, alirocumab or placebo. Among 18,924 patients with recent ACS, receiving intensive or maximum tolerated statin treatment, primary outcome of major adverse cardiovascular events or MACE, was compared in patients with or without a history of HF. Overall, 2,815, or 14.9% of patients, had a history of HF. Alirocumab reduced LDL cholesterol and lipoprotein A similarly in patients with or without HF. Overall, alirocumab reduced MACE compared with placebo. Hazard ratio, or HR, 0.85, P equaling 0.0001. This effect was observed among patients without a history of HF, HR 0.78, P being less than 0.0001, but not in those with a history of HF, HR 1.17, P equaling 0.10, P interaction equaling 0.0001. The authors conclude that alirocumab reduces mace in patients without a history of HF, but not in patients with a history of HF. Thus, patients with a history of HF are a high-risk group that do not appear to benefit from PCSK9 inhibition after ACS. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Alexander Niesner from the Medical University of Vienna and Heinz Drexel from the county hospital Bregenz in Austria. These authors highlight that since the article by White et al. is only hypothesis generating, there is no need to deviate from or rewrite current guidelines. The treatment strategy, based on high-intensity statins and azitamib, remains valid, also for HF patients with cardiovascular disease. If LDL treatment goals cannot be met with these two drug classes, the new cholesterol lowering agent Bempedioic Acid, which also provides anti-inflammatory properties might be chosen instead of PCSK9 inhibitors. However, the latter consideration is not based on outcome data. Current risk scores do not accurately identify patients at highest risk of recurrent atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, or ASCVD, in need of more intensive therapeutic interventions. In a clinical research article entitled, Targeted Proteomics improves cardiovascular risk prediction in secondary prevention. Nick Mohammed and colleagues from the University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands suggest that advances in high-throughput plasma proteomics, analyzed with machine learning techniques, may offer new opportunities to further improve risk stratification in these patients. Targeted plasma proteomics was performed in two secondary prevention cohorts the second manifestations of arterial disease, or SMART, cohort, N equaling 870, and the athero cohort, N equaling 700. The primary outcome was recurrent ASCVD, acute myocardial infarction, ischemic stroke, and cardiovascular death. Machine learning techniques with extreme gradient boosting were used to construct a protein model in the derivation cohort, or SMART cohort, which was validated in the AthroExpress cohort and compared with a clinical risk model. Pathway analysis was performed in high and low C-reactive protein, or CRP, patient subsets. The protein model outperformed the clinical model in both the derivation cohort, area under the curve, or AUC, 0.810 versus 0.750, P being less than 0.001 and the validation cohort AUC 0.801 versus 0.765 P being less than 0.001 provided significant net reclassification improvement 0.173 in the validation cohort and was well calibrated. In contrast to a clear interleukin-6 signal in high CRP patients neutrophil signaling-related proteins were associated with recurrent ASCVD in low CRP patients. The authors conclude that a proteome-based risk model is superior to a clinical risk model in predicting recurrent ASCVD events. Neutrophil-related pathways were found in low CRP patients, implying the presence of a residual inflammatory risk beyond traditional NLRP3 pathways. The observed net reclassification improvement illustrates the potential of proteomics when incorporated in a tailored therapeutic approach in secondary prevention patients. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Paul Ridker from the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Ridker concludes that we are at the end of the beginning for proteomics science as regards atherosclerotic and related metabolic disorders. The critical questions moving forward are many, with profound implications for cardiovascular medicine. How do environmental interactions and behaviors, such as diet, nutrition, exercise, and smoking, work at the protein level to initiate and promote atherosclerosis? What crucial intercellular and secreted proteins can be exploited, both as biomarkers and targets for therapy? And ultimately, how will proteomics and downstream metabolomics? Address future intervention strategies of primordial, primary, and secondary prevention. Microvascular dysfunction plays a key role in several cardiovascular diseases. In a meta-analysis article entitled Coronary Flow Reserve and Cardiovascular Outcomes Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis Mihir Kalshika and colleagues from the Imperial College London in the United Kingdom sought to quantify the association of reduced coronary flow with all-cause mortality and MACE across a broad range of patient groups and pathologies. The authors systematically identified all studies between the 1st of January 2000 and the 1st of August 2020 where coronary flow was measured and clinical outcomes were reported. The endpoints were all-cause mortality and MACE. Estimates of effects were calculated from published HRs using a random effects model. 79 studies with a total of approximately 60,000 subjects were included. Abnormal coronary flow reserve, or CFR, was associated with a higher incidence of all-cause mortality, HR 3.78, and a higher incidence of MACE, HR 3.42. In patients with isolated coronary microvascular dysfunction, an abnormal CFR was associated with a higher incidence of mortality, HR 5.44, and MACE, HR 3.56. Abnormal CFR was also associated with a higher incidence of MACE in patients with ACS, HR 3.76, HF, HR 6.38, heart transplant, HR 3.32, diabetes mellitus, HR 7.47. Kelshika et al. conclude that reduced coronary flow is strongly associated with increased risk of all-cause mortality and MACE across a wide range of pathological processes. This finding supports recent recommendations that coronary flow should be measured more routinely in clinical practice to target aggressive vascular risk modification for individuals at high risk. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Vivani Takati from the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Takati notes that ultimately, the takeaway message of this work is clear and consistent, namely that 1. Indices of coronary flow are versatile tools for interrogating pathophysiology. 2. CFR is a reliable marker of all-cause mortality and adverse cardiovascular outcomes. And 3. High-quality evidence incorporating CFR into randomized clinical trials is needed to move the field forward. There is value, much of it still untapped, for integrating coronary blood flow measurement into diagnostic and prognostic evaluation of patients with coronary disease. The critical next questions will be how to harness its potential for 1, more precise patient selection for personalized therapy, 2, more refined evaluation of intervention efficacy, and three, more sophisticated understanding of pathophysiology to catalyze discovery. Moving forward, we must ask ourselves, and rigorously test, what can this dynamic physiological tool, combined with assessments of diffuse atherosclerotic plaque burden and myocardial fibrosis, potentially tell us about pathophysiology and appropriate patient selection for novel and increasingly available preventative cardiovascular therapies and interventions. The editors hope that the listeners of this issue of the European Heart Journal will find it of interest.